What up, all you beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 193 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with David Lahav from lahavmedia.com. David is the first person to introduce me to the concept of remote local businesses. David learned how to be a locksmith and decided to start a website servicing the Denver area with his locksmithing service. However, he wasn't actually in Denver. He was capable of outsourcing all of the work to other contractors in the area while he'd be in Bali, for example, or somewhere else in the world. And he's gotten so good at it that he helps other businesses achieve the kind of growth that he was capable of achieving. And at this point is acquiring businesses and has really built a really cool enterprise for himself. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you're a first time listener, please pull out that phone or whatever you're listening to this on. Hit subscribe on whatever podcast player you're listening to this really helps me in the search engines that help people find misfits and rejects. And if you like this episode, David and I sure would appreciate it if you shared it with somebody. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with David Lahav from lahavmedia.com. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm joined by David Lahav from Lahav Media. David, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure, dude. I appreciate you reaching out and looking forward to hearing a lot about you because pre-show we talked a little bit about you know your business model, you acquiring brick-and-mortar businesses, being a location-independent digital nomad, and this is, I think, a concept that's fascinating to me and my audience because it sounds hard. It sounds like you kind of have to be there to acquire a brick-and-mortar business. Like, What are you actually getting if uh, you're not in the location You know, <laughs> to see what it is? Yeah, yeah, you you'd be surprised. It can be a lot easier than than it seems. Okay, cool. Let, let's go into it. I'd, I'd like to hear. I had a um, friend reach out actually yesterday, and obviously this whole COVID thing has put a lot of people in distress, and they're looking for options. A lot of people are looking to me because I interview so many people like you, who have location dependent businesses, and make their money online. So, let's speak to these types of people out there who are like fucked and you know don't know what to do with their lives and and try to help them understand like what you do and how you made it happen absolutely and i think it will be a really great message for a lot of those people because there there's so much opportunity right now in those specific spaces Uh, but sometimes it can be hard to see when you know when your life just got a big change in it or if you got laid off or you need to make big moves uh, it's easy to to get sidetracked on the more negative and scary things versus seeing the the opportunities that are out there right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So so for example, one one of the things um, with all of the corona is just big change coming, right? So first and foremost, it's change. A lot of it from our perspective, from the economy perspective, is negative because we had a way we used to do things, and now this came and it's completely changing. A lot of things for this time period where there has been shutdown and we're going to be out of shutdown, but also um, arguably for the future. For example, a lot more people are going to be working from home even after all of this is done because they're seeing that they can save the commute and be more effective, um, have less distractions. Workplaces might not need to spend 
money on rent and, and things like that. So all of those are, can be scary changes and also amazing opportunities. 100%. And then you acquiring, you know, you are in the locksmith game. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. talk about that and how you got into that and then how you were able to start acquiring different brick and mortar businesses from a location in a Benton place? Absolutely. So a lot of it has been by luck. I got into locksmithing when I, when I was a college student um, and a friend of mine was working as a locksmith. I really liked what he was doing. So he taught me how to do this and being kind of the, the entrepreneur with the Israeli chutzpah. After training for a few days, I was like, okay, I'm going to start my own company. And, uh, and that's where the digital, you know, maybe being a little bit younger, having some experience with websites um, helped. So I just started a company that from the outside looked like, oh, this is a legit company. The website looks better than the competitors who might have been doing this for 20 years. Um, and very, sh- like, short, a very short amount of time afterwards, we started getting calls from customers uh, looking for a service. So there was really strong initial traction in just starting up a website, starting up a local business, and then getting calls from customers for that. And this was back in Israel? Uh, this was in the States, in, in Colorado, in Boulder. Okay. Uh, that was about seven years ago. Okay. And then while I was in school, I was running that business, um, which was all, like, none of it was location independent, right? The location independent piece came when, after school, I wanted to go traveling, so I went to Cuba and, and Colombia. I was already already had the travel bug uh, by then, and then I also moved to Israel for a year to work on a startup. And during this whole time, the business transitioned from me doing work and me having employees into hiring contractors and just managing the business remotely. Okay, now I see how you're doing this. So you had your brick and mortar in Colorado that you started. Um, and then as you decided to make it more location dependent, you would just, you maintain your website and your website presence in Colorado. And then you would just like hire contractors to go in as if you were there. Exactly. And that was the beginning of the location independent part. Later on, um, I saw that this model has some limitations, especially around quality customer service. Um, so I had an opportunity, actually I was, to be honest, I was, uh, enjoying life in the sense that I would have to work very little. All I would do would be answer phone calls, take down the details and then send it off to a contractor. So you know, a, a real four hour work week just to, and it helped me cover all the costs and everything I needed to just live comfortably for, for that period of time. Uh, but I was also getting a little bit tired of it being the one answering the phones. If you're abroad, you know, what, what is, uh, like middle of the day in the U.S. can be middle of the night if you're in Europe or, or Asia. Um, so I was getting a little tired of this. And then also for me, um, working with those contractors, there are challenges where maybe they didn't do a very good job. And then I get the call from the customer complaining. So uh, those were kind of pain points that in my mind, I was like, okay, I should just sell, sell this business get out of it. And, uh, you know, it's been a nice run. It's been fun and I can move on to something else. Uh, but the surprise came when I was trying to sell it, no one really wanted to buy it and recognize the value. Uh, if you just want to sell a website or something like that, it's much easier to sell than a Legion local business. Um, so I couldn't sell it easily. And then at the, at that time, I also started working with a contractor that I really enjoyed working with and did a good job. So we ended up partnering instead of me exiting the business, 
we've partnered. And from that point on, he's been taking care of the on-the-ground operations and our technicians. Um, and that was really a big inflection point where from that place, um, you know, I sold him half of the company. But within the first year, we were able to 4x the company size with him taking care of the operations and me taking care of the marketing. I see. This is so cool that I love hearing these stories. It's inspiring to me, even like taking the knowledge that you have and then just somehow shifting it online. And obviously you had your hiccups and you had to pivot a little bit with bringing on that partner, but it sounds like it's a healthy business still. You're still making money with it. Um, do you have other businesses that have a, a similar kind of model behind it? Yeah. Yeah. So where things kind of, and again, a lot of this has been by, by luck and just by trying things and, and seeing what works and, uh, and, and no, you know, intentional master plan to get there. But and what ended up happening is that we saw how uh, easy it was for us to build a local business that I also started an agency to help other business owners do the same thing and grow their local businesses. And then in the last two to three years, we've also been focused on acquiring other companies um, and merging them with our locksmith company. And then the digital agencies doing the marketing for those businesses. So it's all like a really nice web that, that works together. Yeah. So that's Lahav Media. That's the, yes. the agency. Is that what I understand? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I got you. So when another business, they contact you or you reach out to them? Uh, say that again. So like if you are helping another business, have they reached out to you or have you reached out to them? Yeah. Almost all of our clients have been ones that have reached out to us or through friends, network, referrals. And what type of businesses fit your model best that you notice at the kind of crossover, like what kind of brick and mortars are you seeing reach out to you the most? So I would group them as service companies and I get what's in common with most of these service companies is that they do provide some sort of service that's in a location and then it's very direct. So the customer knows. Uh, so for example, some of our clients are junk removal, construction, um, things where you as the customer know that you need help. You go on Google and you, and you look for a junk removal company in your area. And so this type of company, the junk removal company, when they reach out to you, they want you to help market their services or help them kind of do the, the same sort of locksmith model, like where they can become more location independent and have more uh, junk removal um, entities underneath their umbrella. So most of them, it has been around just, straight up business growth. Okay. I got it. So, and so the basically then you're helping them drive traffic to their website. If they're junk removal, we'll use that example, your company helps drive traffic to them to help them just increase revenue and a presence within their, their area for the service that they provide. Yes. Yes. And this is where I would say it's very interesting with entrepreneurs. Many times we get stuck at a certain level of thinking, certain level of execution. And there are a lot of other people that have already surpassed that and have a really easy plan that they can implement to get there. But for us at that moment, it feels like that's impossible. So I guess that's where I like to focus is helping businesses that have been struggling really find that breakthrough and, and reach their goals and, and dreams. Nice, dude. And then as you alluded to, you know, bringing more locksmithing companies into your umbrella, um, that is what just outsourcing or is that i don't can you explain that detail of it more 
Yeah. So, so far we've been focusing on other opportunities from locksmith companies in Colorado. So one acquisition that we've done, it was just one guy with his van and we bought his company, his marketing, his equipment and merged it with our company. And our company started as a lead gen, but we became just like a, a to the outside world, we, we became a regular brand, a regular company with vans, equipments, technicians, office, um, all that stuff. So it was really easy for us to buy another one and, and integrate it and merge it. And then the other acquisition we've done uh, last year, it was actually buying our biggest competitor in Colorado and then also merging the operations together. This is cool. You're going to become a monopoly in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> so, I yep. mean, it sounds like really only like your location dependent side is good for what you do and your skill set, but you really kind of have to have your business partner on the ground to maintain sort of the integrity of the business and the be the face of the business on the ground in case there are hiccups, right? Right, right. At some point when it was a small business, it could still work. When it becomes a larger business, then uh, there's definitely a lot of benefits to having someone on the ground and to make sure that the quality and the reputation of the company, uh, that's a really important thing for, for services. Uh, so that's the choice that, that we've made is to, to transition to that. That said, I know a lot of other business owners who have a service company and they're completely remote. I have a friend who has a rental vaca vacation rental uh, cleaning service. And he has an amazing seven-figure business that has zero local footprints. It's all through online marketing and, and working with contractors. So that's interesting. So, yeah, it sounds like he can just make his presence known online in any location, say like Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, for example. And people then would contact him to clean their Airbnbs and he would just hire somebody there who's already cleaning airbnbs to go out and do the work for him that would be one option what he specifically is doing is uh i think his his center is in la mm -hmm. so he has a great network of cleaners that are in la and so he has a lot of people working for him and kind of kind of gain that benefit of having uh, a team, even though it's a remote team. Yeah. So his cleaners actually live in LA and, and work for his company, but I think his operations center uh, is somewhere in, in South America, for example. And that's by another, another great point. So for a lot of entrepreneurs and especially digital marketers and entrepreneurs of the new age, even for companies like locksmith or cleaning, we are able to leverage things like outsourcing. So for us, we had a call center in the Philippines answer the phone uh, and, and a client calling in, you know, requesting for a locksmith in Denver had no idea that the person they're talking to is actually in the Philippines. But as a competitive advantage, that's really helpful uh, because we're able to have a much lower cost structure than if we had to hire someone who would be in the office in Denver at that point. Right. Just wrap my head around is your cleaning your cleaning buddies model. Like it sounds like though he's like his he was in LA at one point. He he has an understanding of the individuals working for him there, who then he sends out and, and he cleans the rentals in the LA area. You know, rather than me just right now sitting in you know Costa Mesa, California, deciding I'm going to start a Airbnb cleaning business and I start like 
putting a website up that targets, like I said, Puerto Vallarta, you know, it sounds like that wouldn't be the best way to go about it. You want to establish a foundation somewhere and then you can move more location independent. Is that kind of what you would say? Yes, I, I would recommend, I would recommend that for sure. Cause it helps, it helps, you know, you have a steady base that you have some presence. And then once that is a, a really good foundation for the business, then you're able to um, travel and, and, and have location freedom. Totally. Yeah. These are the little nuances that I think even myself, I get caught, caught up on when it's like, Oh, this person's, you know, location dependent and they have this, this service-based business. Like how are they putting the pieces together? But it sounds like there's always a point in which you, you had to have been there to put the pieces together before you moved away from it. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's a wizard out there who could figure it out without having to be there, but I'm not that person. It sounds like you're not either. <laughs> yep. Exactly. And so, yeah, so you've been, what, trading your time, not for money, but for location independence from, like, Denver to traveling, like, six months a year. We talked pre-show. So mm -hmm. you come back to Denver because you have a significant other there. You don't have to be there, but you choose right. to, obviously. And then you right. take your show on the road because you can. And where are you going? Like, where do you normally travel to? Do you have a locations you go back to repetitively? Yeah. So over the last few years, the repetitive locations are Israel, where I'm originally from, and a lot of my family and friends still live there. Uh, and then also Bali has been a, a big favorite. Nice, dude. You're a surfer? Yeah, a beginner surfer, but it's definitely one of the main main attractions there for me. That's cool. What do you enjoy most about Bali? Um, I would say, apart from the beach and and, you know, the great um, like chill atmosphere that you get there and kind of the digital, digital nomads paradise where everything is easy, amazing food, awesome cafes and, and co-working places to, to work out of. Uh, recently, I've also been in, enjoying the spiritual aspects of Bali a little bit more. And before I would go to uh, Changu and, and, you know, have that more digital nomad and, and beach lifestyle last visit that was um over the new years in, in 2019 um i really connected to ubud a lot more and kind of the, the atmosphere there and feeling really grounded and uh and free yeah i've never spent time in ubud i've been to bali uh, quite a few times but i've always kind of maintained the, my time on the beach because i'm a surfer as well um the spiritual side of things has been coming up a lot in these past episodes primarily with the uh people in the dynamite circle like you are who are ascribing and attributing a lot of their success in their business to this shift of like journaling meditation yoga can you talk a little bit about that has that been something new for you it sounds like it was a little bit so it's like is that benefiting your business and your life i mean i'll probably benefiting your lifestyle for sure but like your business do you think your business has benefited from your desire to center yourself, develop that spiritual side of yourself. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it has been a journey over the last six or seven years. And the beginning, I think one of the first things I've done was to go for a few days to a meditation retreat um, in a center in Colorado, in, uh, in the south of Colorado. It's a, it's a Zen center. Um, so that was kind of my intro to meditation. And then I would do it on and off. Um, and then in the last three to four years, it became a daily practice. And in the last six to eight months, it became something that I do 
two times a day. Uh, so between an hour, an hour and a half a day. And I've definitely seen a pro, a, an impact on, on business from it. And I would say the major benefits business-wise are just having a lot more clarity, a lot more focus, and then also being able to handle ups and downs much more smoothly. So when your sense of identity as an entrepreneur is not just your business, not just your work, but you're connecting to something deeper than that, then you know, theoretically, even if all the business, all the businesses fail, you know, I have no income um, and I have to figure things out from there. I have the, the confidence that I'll be able to, to make it work and that it's going to work. All, everything's going to work itself out. Yeah. I mean, I've studied a little bit of this idea of like, you know, not identifying with your work as your like who it's not who you are you know and um reaped a few benefits from it as well it's a practice like you said though this is something that you have to maintain because if you don't it, it whatever you know that thing is in your brain kind of just takes back over and you go on autopilot you know and back into the old patterns you know being israeli i know you went through the military i'm assuming right yes is this something because i meet on the road i meet a lot of israelis who are i don't want to say seeking but maybe they are seeking that like softer side of the brain, the gentle, like to calm down. Like, is that something you think that a lot of people like you, the youth who've gone through the military have experienced things that they just kind of need to find that center, that peacefulness in them? I would say it's something that is pretty universal to almost anyone growing up in, in modern society and going through life the way it's, it's scripted. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it's, I have a lot of Israeli friends who went to the military and and uh, experienced that, but aren't attracted to to meditation or or spirituality. Um, a lot of the ones you've probably seen are also ones after the military service who want to just go and have fun and kind of decompress afterwards. Sure. So that's sure. for sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Do your parents support you in your lifestyle and your choices? Are they proud of you? They they're happy with what you're doing. Yes, it's taken a while to get there. So I've also, uh, with, with my life journey, I never really had a job. I never have been employed by anyone. For a period of time, was actually you know, going out and, and helping customers, but it's always with the locksmith company. Um, but it's always been my business and kind of my enterprise. So in their mind, they're more old school um, and you know, engineers. My mom is a therapist. Uh, so they they were hoping for me to get this secure job and, you know, right out of college. Um, so initially, they didn't really approve of the way I've been um, and the choices I've made and, and career choices. But after they saw that it's working and I'm able to support myself and thrive, that's when it kind of shifted and they became much more supportive and, and accepting and seeing, oh, maybe, you know, we didn't know how... Uh, what would be the best way for you? And you're finding it yourself. Was that difficult for you to maintain your course in life with maybe not the full support of the family? Uh, a little bit, but not too bad. It's, it's never been, you know, it's never been extreme. It's always been just them trying to nudge me and to kind of convince me uh, to go the more traditional path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't have uh, a family that doesn't support me 
like, but they just don't say much about it. <laughs> you know, it's not like they're like, yeah, you can do it. You know, like, and I remember having a conversation with Johnny FD on an episode where he said that, um, his parents like were never supportive at all until he finally made it. And then there was like, they fully flipped the script and be like, we knew you could do it like this and that and the other. And, uh, I think for a lot of people out there trying to be entrepreneurs or just trying to carve their own place in life, encounter that just kind of like either full on resistance from their loved ones and their support network or like mine, just like, don't really say much. And it's like, I hope you know what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's where environment really helps. So I know we're a part of some communities that are online and that can be really helpful. Uh, but also like a little nugget back about Bali that I forgot to mention. That's one of the great things about Bali is that if you go to Chenggu or you go to Ubud, you're going to be surrounded by uh, the kind of, at least for me, the kind of people I want to be surrounded with that I can't find anywhere else. People who are designing their own life and um, and have location-independent businesses and, and really my type of crowd that when I'm in Denver, it's really hard for me to connect with, with people who have the same uh, life aspirations and, and preferences as me. Oh, uh, you're right about that for sure. Like being in Southern California, I struggle too. You know, like there's, I'm sure I live with an entrepreneur who's very, very successful in his brick and mortar business, but like we have, he can't really understand where I'm coming from when I ask him business advice. Cause just like, I just don't know that space. That's not where I'm at, you know? Um, and so yeah, having that community of like-minded people that you can bounce ideas off of like yourself makes such a huge difference for anybody listening out there who wants to give us, give this a shot. Like definitely go out and seek out like-minded groups of people that you can uh, be a part of and that can help you. What does your girlfriend do by the way? Uh, she's a yoga teacher and she's a part owner of a yoga studio. Sounds like though that, that yoga aspect of her life, she can take on the road. Like she doesn't, I mean, I know she's a business owner, but um, she could be moving around the world with you and teaching yoga. Is that ever something you guys think about doing full time? Uh, yes and no. It's theoretically something that she can do. She mm -hmm. also does marketing for the studios she teaches with. So that's the part she can absolutely do remotely. Um, but her sense of community. So for me, when, when I go to Bali, I feel like I'm at home community wise. For her, it is here in Denver and the community and her students and family and uh, that's her sense of community. So I would say that's what, what kind of um, dictates our lifestyle of going around and having a base in Denver and then also going and traveling and exploring together. That's cool, man. That's very cool. What other kind of hobbies do you have? What other kind of things really get you excited about going out in the world? So recently, one, uh, I, I guess it's a new hobby that's been uh, – adopted during the corona times is playing chess uh it's something i've been really enjoying are you playing chess online or who are you playing chess online with? yeah okay. online we had a little uh tournament in the dc that was really fun and then that got me going on these timed games so you play a game that each player has 10 minutes so you got that time pressure going and it gets your your adrenaline going not quite as much as surfing but uh, during Corona, it's, it's really nice. So 10 minutes to make one move? Uh, no, you get 10 minutes for the whole game. So every oh. time you make a move, the clock flips and goes to the other player. Oh, wow. So it's speed chess. You got to get through it quick. Yes. I mean, it sounds like, are you finishing the game in 10 minutes? 
most of the time, uh, you will finish the game. Other times, if, if your time runs out, you lose. Okay. Uh, yeah. So if the clock has flipped to you and goes yep. out, then you've lost. So each player has their own clock. So I have 10 okay. minutes. They have 10 minutes. Okay. Interesting. Did you play uh, Freddie Lansky? Uh, not yet, but I talked to him about it. He actually says he's not that big into playing chess. He was just in the chess business. Cool. Yeah, the audience has heard that about Freddie, and he's a rad dude doing some interesting stuff. Uh, so with what you've already established, um, obviously it sounds like you don't need to create more businesses. Do you have – I'm sure you have ideas just because you're an entrepreneur. Do you see yourself – starting new ventures here in the near future or in the future in general? And if so, like what can you just share a few ideas with you with us? Yeah, absolutely. So creating businesses is one of the things that I enjoy the most. So I'll definitely be, be doing that right now. I'm pretty investing more and more into this side of acquisitions. So actually instead of having to start the business and, and grow it from zero, taking an established business and then applying the skill set that my team and I have in order to uh, to grow it. So that's one area where I'm looking at. And the other one also um, is having more service-oriented business. So similar to how you mentioned with your uh, roommate and how, I, I don't know, I, I'd love to hear how you feel about this, but to me, I feel that I have on one hand this entrepreneurial side creative side and on these this other hand this lifestyle traveling side of me and if you just go to the digital nomad area then that's just more on the travel and and lifestyle and if you just go with the hardcore entrepreneurs they're just work get shit done grow the business make money 16 hour a day grind so i don't feel at home in in either one of those uh, and I feel there's a, a need for more and more of us to kind of show the middle ground of saying you can create amazing stuff, you can be very financially successful, and at the same time, you could have a great lifestyle um, and and really enjoy life and have peace. Yeah, I love that you brought this up because it has come up in past episodes. And I've been curious in that it seems like you're right. It's two extremes. And what seems to be the defining moment is when you reach that, that threshold in your business where it's like you want to get to the seven-figure mark or eight-figure mark, you kind of just settle down and grind. Like I had Mark Zhang on the episode years ago who um, is in the D.C. and he sells like sleep masks. You know, He's location-dependent, traveling, but then it's like the ambition to like grow it to like significant numbers became – a very huge motivator for him. He got engaged and then he settled. He's somebody who's like, I, I don't think anybody could actually do it being a location and like traveling digital nomad in his opinion. And I've heard a few people say it in that way. So I like your idea about the middle ground. I think it's possible, but what do you think? I mean, what, what can you share a few? Like, are you like six figures? Are you pushing seven figures in your business? Yeah, we're a seven-figure business, multi-seven-figure business. Okay. And I definitely, my opinion is that there's really no limit to where you can go with this approach. It just means that it might take you longer or you have to work smarter. Like there is a trade-off for sure. But in, in my opinion, in my experience, you can get a lot more done with less if you're happy, if you're motivated, and if you're 
continuing growing yourself and, and improving your skills. Yeah. And it sounds like you really found a passion, the, the building process of entrepreneurship. I'm assuming you're not hugely passionate about locksmithing. Maybe it was something you're interested in, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe you love locksmithing. Is that your thing? No, you're absolutely right. It was fun in the beginning, learning how to pick locks and, and, you know, and know how to do that and how that side of things works. But I'm definitely not passionate about, about the locksmith aspect of things. I am passionate about the growth journey we've been on, uh, our team, building a great team and creating a great service for our customers in an industry where uh, sometimes the service isn't that good. Yeah, that came up with Dan Andrews, uh, one of the co-founders of the DC. When I had him on, he was saying like that the secret to entrepreneurship is being able to fall in love with the process. And some people just have that in them, or they were raised in that type of family where they understand that. But for me, for example, like I had to really learn. It was the process of starting businesses that I kind of like the challenge of it, being kind of the underdog because I don't have a lot of the skill sets for this online game, and then getting that satisfaction through the accomplishment of like, Oh fuck, I finally figured out, figured it out, you know, how to do whatever Facebook ads or, you know, a little bit of SEO for my website. And it took two weeks or whatever amount of time just grinding and talking to people on YouTube. And then it's like, Oh, but now it works. Like I have this whole system set up with it's automated. I don't have to touch it anymore. And that's what always feels the best to me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, if you could speak to one audience member out there who's interested in starting their first online business, becoming location-dependent digital nomad, what kind of advice could you give them to inspire them, to maybe help them take that first step? So the thing that comes to mind to me is that the most important thing is to just get started. The most important thing is to have an idea, find an idea, learn about something that you're interested, that you're passionate about, and just get started with it. It might take longer than you think, but in my personal experience, I had to fail six or seven times before the locksmith company actually started gaining traction. I had six or seven other projects that I put a lot of time and energy into that completely failed. um, And the locksmith company wouldn't have been successful without those failures. Yeah, that makes sense. Failure seems to be the one thing in common. We all have in common, right? (laughs) Those six or seven business. Can you actually share a few of those? I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I'd love to hear a few of those failures so the audience can understand like those five or six failures you have before you hit that first one. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the first businesses that I started, I didn't actually start it. I bought an e-commerce, dropshipping e-commerce before it was cool. It was in 2011. And I wouldn't say it's a complete failure because it still, you know, made a few hundred dollars a month, but I was spending a lot of time on it, right? So if you would have looked at how much I made hourly on it, it would have been less than minimum wage. But I learned a lot about working with customers and doing SEO um, and trying to grow a business. And then I ended up selling it for a little bit more than what I bought. Uh, And after that, I wanted to start a prescription Glass. That one was reading glasses. I wanted to start a prescription glasses business in Israel. Uh, so I worked on it with a good friend of mine. We were partners. We put money into it. We worked on it for a year. And that business completely tanked. I think my, my aunt was our only, uh, only customer at the time, maybe a handful of other customers. And we thought, you know, it would be really cool to be able to measure your uh, your glasses and kind of see how you would look with them uh, based on a picture you upload or your camera. 
So we thought the tech aspect would be really great, but the Israeli consumers weren't so uh, excited about it as we were. That's interesting, dude. What do you think about buying businesses online that already like make money? Um, I had a few guests on who talk about it as being a great opportunity for anyone out there who wants to get into the digital nomad location independent space, online entrepreneur space. Um, but they all kind of say the same thing. Like obviously you have to do your due diligence really well before you get, you buy it um, to your purchasing it at a point in its growth development or existence in which the revenue is coming in at that level. And you obviously have to maintain it. And if you want it to get bigger, you have to put a lot more effort into it. And that's where a lot of them have said that gets difficult. If you don't really understand the market that you just got yourself into, you know, <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it'd be a great way to get started. And a lot of it would have to do with the personal style of the person. My style is I'm pretty okay with the risk. And then I'm also, I learn by doing. So for me, kind of diving, you know, head first into something and deciding, okay, I'm buying this. And then once I'm already in it, I don't mind as much meeting all these obstacles and, and doing the learning and work that's necessary. It's actually a tool now that I use to help me develop, realizing that's my style of doing things. So I'm just going to commit to something and go that, that path. Um, and from my experiences so far, what I always ask is, what's the worst case that can happen here? With the business that you're buying, most of the time, the worst case is that that business ends up taking a hit and going down by 50%, right? So if you can live with that, and if it's still going to be a valuable experience and learning experience for you, that I think would be a great way of, of getting started and, and learning a lot. So yeah, basically it's going to be, if it takes that 50% hit, it's going to be a, you know, say you, you paid 10 grand for it. It's gonna be a $5,000 lesson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and if you bought it at 10,000 and that's based on what it's been making in the last year and kind of saying I'm buying it at two X or three X yearly multiple, what it just did is, is it pushed it to four or six years multiple, which again, for an investment, right, compared to what you can get in the stock market, that's still not that bad. And yeah, and you're the master of that ship. You're you're the captain of the ship where you can choose to work extremely hard and educate yourself on how to sail it, or you just let it sink, you know, and then you yep. eat that and move on to the next one. Yeah. Well, this is cool, David. David, I really appreciate your time, man. So people out there, if they want to come find you and, and, and seek out maybe just your knowledge on entrepreneurship, where can they come check you out at? So in, in the meantime, at lahavmedia.com, and I'm working on my uh, personal site where I'm hoping to share more lessons and, and just information for uh, entrepreneurs on davidlahav.com. Awesome, David. Thank you for your time. We appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Awesome, David. Thank you so much for taking the time. Appreciate you. Your story was awesome. Super inspirational. Remember, if you're a first-time listener, please hit that subscribe button. If you like this episode and you want to help David and I out, please share with a friend. Thank you so much for joining us. I think you all are so very beautiful. And I'll see you in next week's episode. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to... Choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new. To live a different lifestyle that 
maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it, it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.